New Girl Pictures presents St. Mary's School for Children with the Stigmata. Episode 2, Inez. My mom thought I was asleep. She tucked me into a pile of blankets that I'd pull over my face when we stopped for gas. We only drove at night and only on back roads. We only got out of the car to pee behind bushes and trees. We slept in shifts at empty campgrounds. In the front, my mom listened to the same Joni Mitchell cassette over and over, while in the back, I read Goosebumps books under the blankets with a tiny flashlight clenched between my teeth. She didn't know I could hear her. Stoic in even the worst of times, her sobs were unnerving. I knew we had left my dad, but I also knew it was a good thing. Why was she sad, I wondered. You, me, and Daddy, she said, we're finally going to be happy. All of us. Even for a staying together for the kid household, it was tense. The three of us would sit silently every night at dinner, pushing food around our plates, waiting for whatever bullshit drama that had simmered throughout the day to explode. But when the vision started and the beginnings of what became my stigmata began erupting under my skin, it was like we were all possessed. The more intense the wounds or visions were, the more petty the fights became. I'd see the Blessed Virgin in the popcorn ceiling of my bedroom, and my mom would scream about toothpaste stuck on the bathroom counter. I'd be writhing on the living room floor in agony, and my dad would throw dishes because there were crumbs on the kitchen table. Not once did either of them call a doctor. Just a priest. He came once a week to record the miracles. My wounds wept when we argued. Stress of any kind makes my whole situation worse, and especially at that time, I was way too young and overwhelmed to control it. The feedback loop of silence, then yelling, then bleeding was unbearable. When my mom and I peeled out of our long rural driveway in the dead of night, I was relieved. It's so quiet, I thought. No more fighting. After what had to be days of driving, my mom turned the car down an unlit country road. The gravel vibrated the flashlight out of my mouth onto the floorboard and under the passenger seat. I shot up and bounced around in the back with no seatbelt on. Almost there, she said. Almost where? I looked around and saw darkness in all directions as she pulled the car to the side of the road. In the distance, I saw a pair of headlights growing larger. She was quiet. Joni crooned on the stereo. Mom? I asked. She gripped the steering wheel. (laughs) I want you to be good. She opened the door, got out of the car, and popped the trunk. She pulled out a suitcase and a small duffel. The dark pink Barbie ski hat covering my forehead began to soak, along with the sleeves of my Little Mermaid sweatshirt. Mom? Who is that? The lights got closer. Bigger. They even seemed to be coming faster. I pressed into the back seat like I was trying to hide in the seams of the upholstery. My mom opened the passenger door, pushed the seat forward with one hand, and with the other reached for mine. Mommy! Why? Her hand hung in midair, eyes pleading. Florence, please, just be a good girl! I paused, took her hand for the last time, and got out of the car. 
The air was sharp and cold. As the headlights ahead got closer and closer, I remember the lyrics of the song playing in the car. I'm frightened by the devil, and I'm drawn to those ones that ain't afraid. Hello? Florence? It's Inez. Can you hear me okay? The service here sucks. You're fine. Good. I'm glad we could talk. My phone has basically become the St. Mary's 24-7 helpline. What's that sound? Oh, that? If I'm having a moment, it's easier sometimes to just let the blood drip into something. You don't have to say you're having a moment. You can call it what it is. Oh, sorry, I meant to say I'm experiencing my life's greatest blessing. Please excuse me while I hunch over the kitchen sink and wait for this whole miraculous occurrence to wrap up. (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) I'm traumatized. Everything okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Just nervous. I don't usually talk to... To other people like you? Well, yeah, that for sure, but I was going to say on the phone. (laughs) Like, at all. Millennials, we need to get better about the whole phone thing. The younger ones are even more awkward, if you can believe it. Not that I can really blame them. You know the youngest girl I've spoken to is 12 years old? 12! She goes catatonic for days after her visions. Who knows how many are even younger? I mean, God, 12. That's so young. I was nine when it started. Younger. Actually, nine is just when I got to St. Mary's. Shit. I'm sorry. It is what it is. So, what made you change your mind about being in the group? I thought you weren't into it. I don't know. I've been alone so long. I'm also just curious, I think. A lot of us are. Lonely or curious? Both. But a lot are more angry. Furious, even. All the girls I've spoken with are still living with whatever this is and with even less support than we have. It's why I posted the question about how to clean my back. I thought it might start a conversation. Obviously it worked. Yep. I think I've talked to at least 20, but maybe even 30 girls in the last two days. And? And we all have, more or less, the exact same experience. I'm not so sure about that. Oh? Then what's your story, Florence? I'm all ears. Shit. What's wrong? Nothing. I just lost power. You alright? Yep, just some everyday normal living in the middle of nowhere nonsense. I'll call you back. You want me to stay on the line? Why? For company? Oh. No thanks. I'm okay. You sure? Yeah, this happens all the time. Then I guess we'll just talk soon. Good luck. Honestly, I was glad to have an excuse to get off the phone. Inez seemed nice enough, and I guess I appreciated what she was doing, but the whole conversation felt strained or weird to me. Though, to be fair, I have a hard time telling if something feels weird because it actually is, or if it feels weird because someone is being unexpectedly nice. My therapist says this feeling is like a trust hangover from childhood, which, well, yeah, why would I trust any of those fuckers? But in this case, it was more than that. Even if her intentions were good, something about the way she talked to me felt like she was just collecting stories. I didn't want to just give mine away. I walked down a short hallway to my bedroom to flip the circuit breaker, but when I got there, it was fine. 
Not too strange. I figured a strong wind had blown through, but when I opened my window, I didn't hear a thing. I pulled the flashlight out of my nightstand, turned it on, and walked out to my patio to watch for whatever came next. Before I went outside, I texted Inez. Hey, so my power's out, and I need to save my phone battery in case I need to call someone to fix it in the morning. Can we talk later? Inez wrote back. No worries. I'm around. Just call me tomorrow so I know you're okay. LOL. I'm serious. Let me know. Good night. Night. The night was still, but lightning flickered in the distance. It wasn't bright enough for me to see, so I shined the flashlight on my wrists. There was some throbbing, but no blood. Pretty good, all things considered. But then there was this... sound. I covered my ears and looked all around me to see where it was coming from, but it didn't get quieter. And out of the corner of my eye, something I couldn't quite see loomed at the sharp, piney edges of the property. A figure, a woman in white, glided toward me like a chess piece every time the lightning cracked. I froze. But she got closer. And closer. And closer. If she were breathing, I would have been close enough to her to feel it on my skin. Sister, what are you? She forced her hand in my mouth and wrapped her fingers around my tongue. Girls. And suddenly, I was back in a funhouse version of St. Mary's, but as myself today, a grown woman. The sound rang in my ears. Girls, I have some news to share with you. For the first time in three years, we will be getting a new student at St. Mary's. A new student? Who is she? Yeah, what's she like? Is she from here? America, I mean. Yes, he's from here. He? So, it's a boy. Yes, Timothy is a boy. But this is a school for girls. We've made an exception. Why? Please, everyone, let's welcome Timothy. I called to him, no, no, but couldn't form the words. Timothy, this is Marjorie, Katrina, and Florence. They're your new classmates. I don't get it. He's not bleeding. No, he's not, Marjorie. He shouldn't be here if he doesn't have the marks. Not that any of that is for you to decide, Katrina. But Timothy has what is called invisible or phantom stigmata. This happens when someone, often a particularly humble soul, bears the pain, but not the physical wounds of Christ. In Timothy's case, upon receiving his marks at age nine, he begged the Lord that they vanish with only the lingering agony and ecstasy to remember them by. She had the audacity to cross herself. Now you can plainly see, God has answered his prayers. When I finally noticed that the lights were on, I was sitting at my dining room table. I looked down at my wrists, clean gauze, not a single thing out of place. I hadn't even been on the patio. The curtains were still drawn shut to the storm outside. I stood up, feeling sort of sick, so I went over to the mirror to check my forehead. No wounds. The only blood was a dry crust in the corner of my mouth. 
Thinking I'd accidentally bitten my cheek, I leaned in to take a closer look. But when I parted my lips, the blood gushed out, cascading down my chin, onto my chest, filling the space in my mouth where my tongue used to be. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Mary's School for Children with the Stigmata. If you enjoyed this chapter, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. To learn more about this and all our projects, visit our website, newgirlpictures.com.